Um, so the message today, fasting for reset. And everyone said, who loves fasting? I've had times where I have struggled to fast. I remember when I was, I think we were first married, we had a presbytery at church. And the, the order was given, the, the, the whole church was called to a, a fast for three days prior to the presbytery just to get ourselves in a place uh, where we're right before God, where we're sensitive to God, where we're open to hear from God. And uh, for three days, we fasted, and everything within me was going, I can't wait for this last meal, which was going to be McDonald's, and was a bad choice. <laughs> but there are times when fasting can be tough. There are times when it can be easy. I had one stage where... Uh, where God said, I want you to fast for seven days. And I went, excuse me? Seven days? It's like, and I didn't really have any excuse because Jesus did it for 40. But he said, I want you to fast for seven. And because I struggle with food intake, I have to, I have to eat regularly because of sugar levels and things like that. I'm not diabetic, but I just need to monitor that. And so if I don't eat for several days, I'm very aware of my body not coping. And, and I was praying about it. I said, okay, God, if you've called me to this, then I will do it and I will lean on you, and I need your help. Not once in that seven days was I hungry. Not once in the seven days did I struggle with sugar issues. God carried me through it because it was a God direction. And I've had another time that he led me to do a 21-day fast. I'm going, 21 days, how am I going to cope? Again, press into God, trust him. And, and again, he carried me through that. But I've seen that there are times when, uh, when I was on this 21-day fast, I contemplated extending it to 40 days because it was such a, uh, such a powerful thing for me spiritually. And so as we get into a fast, we might go struggle with it the first few days, but as we get into it and we see the benefits to us physically and spiritually, there's part of us that says, you know what, I want to do this again. I want to do this again. And if we actually don't do it for a while, we come back to a place and go, oh, fasting, come on, seriously. So it's a, it's a condition of our own heart. And uh, a number of words that I've actually been hearing recently, prophetic words uh, around the world, are all referring to the word reset. And we've already talked on this over the last few months, uh, particularly in July as we come out of COVID, of a reset, of God hitting the reset button. And reset doesn't always mean going back to what was. It means giving it a fresh kickstart. And it might be something new. You might need to do an update on a computer. Uh, the reboot or the reset is part of the the program in that, but some incredible things can happen. And, and as we came out of COVID, we'd been praying and seeking God, and he said, make disciples, make disciples. I was talking to Frank DiMarzio a few months ago, and when I told him what we were doing, he said, that's not a new thing. He said, God told us to make disciples a long time ago. And so for us to actually hit the reset button, all we're doing is going back to what God said to do. And we're working through how that, how that works, how that looks for us as individuals, for us corporately. But the reset is, God, we want to be in a place where we are in line with you, where we are pursuing the things that you want us to pursue. And some people might say, well, we know what we're doing. We know, we know we're going to make disciples, so why do we need to fast? And we'll look at that. But I want to start with Acts 10.38. Who's got their Bible? Who's got their Bible? 
We have no excuse with technology nowadays, do we? We need to have our Bible with us every day. Having a Bible on your phone is as good as owning a Lamborghini and leaving it parked in the garage. You can say you have it, but you never get the benefit of driving it. And so we need to be reading our Bibles regularly. So Acts 10, 38. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed. Jesus healed all who were oppressed. Why? Because God was with him. The next one, Mark 1.35. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day. Everyone say, a great while. He went out and departed to a solitary place and there prayed. I was reading an article recently and they said that that dawn in Israel or in the Middle East is about 5.30 in the morning. And I don't know about you, but I read a great while and I figure it's not 15 minutes. It's probably not half an hour. It's probably not even an hour. For me to get up and spend a, a great while praying, I'd be spending some committed time in God's presence. And the rest of this verse, we read further, Jesus went away to a solitary place and prayed and the disciples came looking for him. Because when they woke up, he wasn't there. But they were familiar with him praying. They were familiar with him spending this time with his father. And so Jesus lived a miraculous life. And he would go somewhere and somebody would say, uh, I'm sick, can you heal me? And Jesus would say, be healed. A man came before him and said, my son is, is plagued with, with a demonic spirit. And Jesus said, get out. Jesus comes to Lazarus, who's been dead for three days. And Mary and Martha said, but surely, Lord, he stinketh. I think we all stinketh after uh, not showering for three days, but this guy was dead. His body was starting to decompose in a hot environment. And what did Jesus say? Two words, come out or come forth. And Jesus didn't spend much time praying with people because he spent a lot of time praying with his father. And the key is that we spend time with God, that we develop our walk with God so that when the need comes and we're over here uh, living the life, doing the ministry, doing the things. We're not going, oh, crikey, what are we going to do next? How do we deal with this? Because we've spent time with God and we've already had that, that stirring time where he's speaking to us, where he's recharging us. And the disciples, they eventually saw a connection. They see the miraculous. They see Jesus reaching people. They see, see that he prays a couple of words and he's healed. How many would like to see more of the miraculous on earth today? Well, I would encourage you to get up a great while before dawn and spend time praying. And the disciples saw something in Jesus and they said, we want you to teach us how to pray. They didn't say, teach us how to get up early. They just said, teach us how to pray. Because getting up a great while before dawn is not the key. Spending time with Father God is the key. And so when the disciples approached Jesus, and Luke 11, 1 shows that they, they approached him, they said, teach us how to pray. 
What they were really saying was, we see what you're doing and we want to be effective just like you are. So teach us the keys, teach us the principles. They saw it was prayer, but Jesus actually goes further. And if we look at Matthew's account, which we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6, Jesus gave them three main keys. Now who would agree that if we want to learn to be effective, that Jesus would be a good teacher? So when he says something, we need to listen, we need to pay attention and follow what he says. And John 14, 12 says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Now we read earlier that Jesus healed all who were sick. Why? Who remembers why? God was with him. Jesus said, the same works I do and greater you will do because I go to my Father. What happened when he went to the Father? He sent the Holy Spirit. We have God with us. But we need to tune in to God. Not just have God live alongside us. Not that we do everything during the week and we ignore him and suddenly there's a crisis. And we go, oh God, I need help. And how many times have we seen people who've been through crisis and all of a sudden they start coming to church? All of a sudden they start picking up their Bible? All of a sudden they start reading? And it reminds me of a joke I heard one day. An atheist was late for an appointment and, and he, was, he said, if I don't get this job, everything is over. My life is over. It's so, so important. So he said, God, if you exist, I'm asking you to give me a car park right in front of this place. And if you give it to me, I will go to church every week for the rest of my life. And all of a sudden, a car park opens up. And his response was, don't worry, God, I found one. And as I hear that, I think, how often do we do the same with God? We press in, crisis hits, we pray, we seek God, we read our Bible, things go well, God digs us out of a hole, and we go, thanks God, I've got it from here but we need more. We need to have that ongoing relationship with him. And if we're to carry on his work here on earth, we need to be living like him. If we're supposed to be living like Jesus on earth, we have to live like Jesus in every way. So Matthew chapter six, verse one, take heed that you, not, you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise you have no reward from your father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be, may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. The Greek word for charitable deeds there is compassion. It's, it's having a heart for the lost, the hurting, the wounded. And as I said, I think it was last time I preached, Jesus didn't just uh, call the disciples to come to him, he went to them. We've got to have compassion for the, the lost, the hurting, the broken, the wounded, and go to them. Why? Because they matter to God. And if they matter to God, they should matter to us. But Jesus says, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't do this the way they do. Don't go out and give, oh, you have a need? I'm going to meet it for you. 
and do it publicly so everybody can see. God said, if you're going to meet a need, do it from a heart that says, I'm going to give and I'm going to honour God through this process. Rather than doing it so that everybody sees me and everybody goes, aren't you so charitable? Aren't you such a good Christian? Because my reward shouldn't come from people, my reward should come from God. So the first key he gave us was compassion. And the second one he says, and when you pray, you should not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room and when you've shut the door, pray to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So the first key is to have a generous, compassionate heart. The second key is what? The second key is what? Prayer. We need to be praying. But not just a one minute prayer, not just a uh, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, do it really quickly and get, get on with life again. No, it's an intimate relationship with God where you actually intentionally go into the secret place and you spend time praying with him. Having a place at, at home or a time at home where you can say, this is my time between me and God. Because God sees the condition of your heart. God sees the time frame in your prayer. Whether it's, it's a rush, I must do this, or whether it's God, I just, wanna, I just wanna hang with you. I just wanna spend some time with you. And I think it's interesting, verse six, fourth line down on the right, but you, when you pray. Jesus isn't saying compare yourself to other people. He's speaking directly to them. He says, but you, when you pray. But what about them? No, 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 you, when you pray. But what about the, the, the no, 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 you, when you pray. And he's calling them to make this personal because our success, our effectiveness doesn't come from us corporately. Our effectiveness comes from us individually spending time with him. And then corporately when we come together, when two pray, when three pray, when five pray, when 10 pray, when we're praying for revival, when we're praying for the miraculous, when we're, we're praying for things, we're saying, God, we just wanna see you move. It comes out of a heart that has spent time in the secret place with God. And the first four words there, and when you pray. Notice the word if doesn't exist. Jesus says, when you pray when you do your charitable deeds. So would it be fair to assume there's an expectation from Jesus that we will do this? Who would agree? When you do your compassionate deeds, when you pray, so we're all in agreement that Jesus expects us to do that. And the third key, when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so that people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face, then no one will notice that you're fasting except your father who knows what you do in private. And your father who sees everything will reward you openly. Again, the first four words, and when you fast. The disciples are saying, teach us how to be effective. And Jesus says, have a heart for others. 
because they matter to me. Teach us how to be effective. Okay, pray. Spend time with God in the secret place. Jesus got up a great while before dawn. But Lord, is there anything else? Teach us how to be effective. Don't eat. Spend time praying. Spend time fasting. And again, these lines are here. But when you fast, comb your hair. Again, he's saying, when you fast, don't look at others. Don't look at what others are doing when you fast. There's certain rewards that are spoken about in all these verses. If we look at the, uh, the first part, uh, they, look, they tend to look miserable and disheveled, so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. Jesus indicates there is a reward when we do compassionate gifts, there is a reward when we pray, and there is a reward when we fast. This first part, don't make it obvious. And it's not saying that people can't know, because when we do a, a corporate fast, the whole church knows we're fasting. So if we're looking at this as, as nobody's allowed to know, that's not the point. But these guys, were, were, were they'd fast, and they'd, they'd look miserable oh this is my second day of the fast oh the headaches are terrible and they're wanting people to go oh you poor thing you must be so spiritual and jesus says that's the only reward they're going to get but when you do this in secret your father who sees everything will reward you and the king james says will reward you openly and it's interesting there's two different words used in the greek here the English has put reward for both of them. But the first one is misthos, and it means a payment for services. So if you do a job for somebody and you give them an invoice, you are saying, my services are worth this much and therefore you must pay me this much. That's a payment for service. So this first part, when they're looking disheveled, when they're, they're praying public so, that, so everyone sees how awesome they are, when they give things so that everybody sees how awesome they are, the payment for services thereafter is that men would say, you must be so spiritual. And so when we're doing things to get a response from people, we're setting the payment that I want you to honour me for what I'm doing. But the second part, when Jesus says that God will reward you openly, the Greek word is apodidomi, which means a gift. And when God says, I will reward you openly, there's no stipulation of, 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 a, of an amount or of a gift or of a, anything specific. Now, I might be praying and fasting for a specific breakthrough in my life. I might need healing in my body. Uh, I might need a job. I, ne I might need you know, something for God to do a miracle. And I'm praying and fasting, believing God for that miracle. But the reward God gives me may not just be the answer to prayer. It may not even be the answer to prayer. It might be the fact that God actually does something within my own heart and says, I need to work on this thing first. And so we're allowing God to work in that situation that the reward is set by God who knows what we need, who knows where we're at. And the reward is a gift from him. One is a payment for services, one is a gift. And when I, when I demand that men uh, give me honour because of what I'm doing, then I'm setting the payment. I'm demanding this is the payment you will give me and I actually stop God's ability from blessing me because I'm changing how the payment works. One is set by me, one is set by God. Now through the Bible, there's, there's three main fasts. 
One is the absolute or full fast, where there is no food and no water. Always done under very, very short time frames and should always be done, particularly if it's for slightly longer, under medical supervision. Only ever has this been done when God has said, I need you to do this. And I would never encourage anybody to go a full fast, no food or no water for a longer period of time. The second one is a normal fast. Typically you go without food for a number of days and you just drink water. And quite often on the second day you might start developing headaches. And I've heard people say, oh, the enemy's just trying to attack me. Well, it's more likely the fact that you've probably had too much sugar, too much coffee and tea, too many other things that your body's built up a reserve of toxins and your body's now starting to burn them off. That's why you've got to drink lots and lots of water. But once you get to day three or four, your body starts going, I'm not hungry anymore. You refuse to feed me, I'll start burning off fat. And then you get into a different stage where you can actually fast for longer periods of time. Sometimes people take fruit juice or broth just to help keep their strength up, particularly if it's a longer fast. And the third one is a partial fast, also known as the Daniel fast. And it comes from the book of Daniel where we see Daniel and his companions refused to eat the meat and sweets from the king's table, requesting only to eat vegetables and water. They did this for 10 days, and after that time, they looked healthier and stronger than all the king's men who ate all the good food off the king's table. And there's another example too, another stage where Daniel ate no sweets, no meat, and drank no wine for three weeks. So a partial fast might say, well, I'm going to skip breakfast, or I'm not going to drink any tea or coffee, I'm just going to have uh, water is the only fluid I have. You can set that in different things. But again, it comes back to my heart before God. If it's a sacrifice to me, God sees that it's a sacrifice for him. When we did a fast a few years ago, our kids said, um, can we fast school? And it was like, no, you can't. As long as, if you do, you must spend nine to three in your room praying and reading your Bible and seeking God's face. I think I'll go to school. <laughs> but if it's not a sacrifice to us, God sees that it's not a sacrifice. But a fast always needs to combine prayer and the word. If we're not gonna combine prayer and the word with a fast, then all we're doing is starving ourselves. We need to have, because it's God, I wanna come into you, I wanna be sensitive to you, I wanna be fine-tuned with you. And when we eliminate food from our diet for a number of days, your spirit becomes uncluttered by the things of the world and amazingly sensitive to the things of God. Miles Monroe says it this way, fasting is like cleaning out the pipes so water can flow. He said, fasting changes you. Fasting does not change God. And so many people say, I'm going to fast because I want God to do something. No, no. Fasting doesn't manipulate God. God is like the tank. He has a full reserve. He is always willing to serve, to, 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 to minister, to, to, to heal, to do whatever. The blockage is often in the pipe. Blockage could be sin, could be uh, laziness, could be a range of things that we're doing. And as we fast, it cleans that blockage out of the pipe so that the water can flow freely. See, the dependence on God is important, but I've got to be in a place where I'm listening, where I'm, I'm seeking Him, where I'm sensitive to what He wants to do. 
So fasting cleans out the pipes so that the water can flow. It quietens our hearts so we can hear God's voice. It calms down distractions and lets us refocus, uh, realign and reset with him so we can hear him clearly. Just really quickly, from a, a physical point, fasting gives your body time to heal itself. It relieves nervousness, tension, gives the digestive system a rest, lowers your blood pressure and can lower your cholesterol. Fasting not only prevents sickness, if done correctly, fasting holds amazing healing benefits to those of us who suffer illness and disease. From colds and flu to heart disease, fasting is the key to healing the body. And fasting can heal and help rheumatism in the joints and muscles, disease of the heart, circulation, blood vessels, stress-related exhaustion, skin disease, including pimples and complexion problems, irregular menstrual cycles, hot flushes, disease of respiratory organs, and allergies such as hay fever and other eye diseases. Fasting physically has a lot of benefits for our body. But when it's done spiritually, we get the physical benefits, but we also get a sensitivity to the voice of God, to the things God is saying, to, for, for God to change things and shape things within our lives. Moses fasted and he received the Ten Commandments. Esther called all of Israel to join her in a fast for three days from all food and water when Haman called for the annihilation and plunder of the Jews. As a result, his plan was exposed, he was hanged in his own gallows and all the Jews were spared. Hannah was distressed at not being able to have a child. She fasted and, and, and God heard a cry and Samuel was born. Jensen Franklin was sharing one day that uh, in one of the, the long fasts that they did as a church, they do every, uh, every January their church goes on a, a full month fast. And he said one year they were praying and, and just really seeking God in that time and they were still seeing the open reward in October. He said God was still doing things in their church and in people's lives and they, they attribute it back to the fast that they did. We did a 21-day fast in 2006 as a church, and I've shared this a number of times, but Liz had all the kids pray for Nathan, who had uh, warts all over his hands, and the doctor said he's too young to treat, so we just have to let them go. And so for 21 days, every week, the kids anointed his hands and prayed over him. By the end of that three weeks, he only had one wart left, and that was gone within a week. We've seen open reward. Bernie was sharing the other day about a fast they did a number of years ago, and I think you said $80,000 came in. Was that correct? To, to cover some, some projects that were being done uh, from a building point. As we fast, God does things. God knows what our needs are. God, God brings the change that's necessary, but our heart should be, God, I'm doing this just because I want to honour you. Just because I want to be hearing your voice. Just because I want to be sensitive to you. Because I want to be effective for you and as a church I want to see that effectiveness grow within us so just to recap the disciples came to Jesus and said teach us how to be effective and Jesus taught them compassionate giving he taught them prayer and he taught them fasting he didn't say if he said when you want to be effective like me be compassionate be generous spend time praying a great deal of time before, before daylight he prayed, or before daylight, sorry, he prayed, and fasting. Jesus fasted often. And if we want to be sensitive to, to the voice of God, if we want to be uh, effective in our walk with God, we want to pray, we want to see the miraculous, 
then we have to do things God's way. We can't sleep in and not pray uh, any more than five minutes a week. We can't not read our Bible. We can't go to church once every three or four weeks and then when there's a crisis, say, in Jesus' name and expect it to change instantly. We need to be pressing into God. We need relationship with him. And Jesus again said, but you, when you do this. All three of these promises have open rewards. And the rewards from God are much greater than the rewards from men. And I'm talking rewards of whatever. I'm not saying if, if you pray, God will suddenly drop a Lamborghini in your lap. That's not what I'm saying. But as I pray that God starts doing things and bringing the rewards that I need in my life and in, in things. And I've seen that uh, as I've done things that God has, has said, I need you to deal with this. I need you to repent of that. I need this to change in your life. And as those things are broken, suddenly there's a freedom spiritually that, that allows us to move forward. Over the last two years, God told us he's doing a new thing. God is doing a new thing in our church. And coming out of COVID, he told us to focus on making disciples. And so if fasting actually uh, improves our sensitive, sensitivity to his voice, then as a church, we should be fasting because we know God has a plan. We know God has a purpose. We know God wants to change lives, but we have to come before him and say, God, what's, what's the process here? I am far from perfect. I know that myself. I know I don't have all the answers. I need to hear from God. And as we fast as a church, I need you to be praying for me, for our leadership team, for a sensitivity to hear God's voice as we're, as we're planning, as we're moving forward. And as you're praying, that God will, will shape your life. Over the last few weeks, we talked about, God, give me just one more. Ask God to shape you and give you the heart of an evangelist so that you can go out and reach the lost. There's a number of issues within our church. Health issues. A lot of people struggling. There's addiction issues. There's marriage issues. And we see those all around us, not just in our church, but in our family and our friends. We see lost people that need to be saved. And so we need to be coming before God and say, God, how do I deal with this? Speak to me. Break some of these habits that might be in me or in my family. Or, or God, do what you need to do. So as a church, we're going to set a seven-day fast starting Monday week, the 1st of February. So you have a bit of time to plan and to prepare and to pray and seek God. God, how do you want me to do this fast? And like I said, there have been times when God said, all food and just water. There's been times that I've felt to fast one meal. Uh, we had a number of years ago that Adam fasted strawberries. He was only a little kid and he loved strawberries and he chose I will not eat those and for a whole week he would not touch one. A child's heart is different to an adult's heart but God saw the sacrifice. Nathan fasted the Xbox. He loved playing the Xbox. But I choose to give up something that I love doing so that I can spend more time with God. Over this next week, I want you to pray about it. Talk to your family members. Talk to your kids. Talk to whoever and say, how are we going to do this as a family? And then it's not a case of, oh, it's day two, I'm struggling. It's no, day two, I'm struggling, but God. So there's a, there's a few questions on your table over the next few minutes. I'd like you to start looking at some of these.
talking through them together, learning more, because we learn more from each other than just from me. Who would agree? Who would agree I don't have all the answers? Please put your hand up. God wants to equip all of us for the work of the ministry. It's not just two or three of us. So around your table, start sharing, start answering some of these questions, start talking about some of these things. And then we're going to have communion at the end together as we head off into this week. So I'll give you the next uh, probably five to ten minutes, go through those. Don't spend too much time on them. But where does God, how will God shape you? just as we wrap up, I just want to go into a time of communion as preparation for going into the fast. I know it's a week away. We were just talking about some of the things that you could give up. One of them could be housework. And yet, and yet, if you've got kids that are messy or pets that are shedding hair, it might be a great sacrifice to you not to have the house clean. So the things that are precious to you, God sees, not the things that are precious to me. Matthew 9, and it's on, the, it's on the sheet there on your table, Matthew 9, 35 onwards. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And considering the great commission is to go make disciples, who are the harvest or the, who are the laborers? Us. You and I are the laborers. So I'll use a phrase that Jesus said, that's you when you go out to reach the lost. We need to have that attitude, God, I'm in. God, my heart is is set on the things of you. I think I had it here. Something I just wanted to read last week was part of Bernie's message. A great New Year's resolution is, as of today, Lord, I'm with you. And that's part of the fast, that we we go into this fast saying, as of today, Lord, I'm with you. God, give me one more. You've commissioned us to go make disciples. You've you've told us to go and and be disciple-making disciples. I can be a disciple. We're we're talking in, in part of the group here, the whole concept of compassion, it's an outworking thing. Prayer. I'm in the closet, this is about me and God. Fasting is self-sacrifice, but there comes a point where compassion is actually a part of where we're actually going out and doing. And if everything I'm doing is about me, God shape me, God bless me, God do what, do what you want in me, God says, well actually what I want to do in you is that you go out and you make disciples. And there has to be that breaking in here that God, it's not about me, it's about you. And so as we have communion today, I want you to remember again, a body broken, blood shed for us. There's a purpose behind what Jesus did. 
And he went out healing all who were oppressed for God was with him. He empowers us to do uh, the same as he did and more because he went to heaven and because the Holy Spirit was sent. Because God is with us, we are supposed to be living like Jesus on earth. We are supposed to be going to the lost. We are supposed to be praying for the lost. We are supposed to be actively reaching the lost, not praying that God will send somebody else. The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest, send out laborers into his harvest. Father, we wanna thank you for everything you have done for us, for your body broken for us, for your blood poured out for us, for salvation that you even paid before we were born. So great is your love for the lost. Lord, as we enter into this fast next week, Lord, we ask you to start preparing us even now. Speak to us about things you want us to give up. Speak to us about things you want to see changed within our own hearts and lives. Lord, make us more like you. Lord, our desire is to look at, at, at you this year and, and say, as of today, Lord, I'm with you. And Lord, we thank you for all you've done and we commit ourselves again to you in Jesus' name. Let's eat and drink. Father, again, we thank you for everything you've done for us. We thank you again for everything you've done for us. Lord, it's, it's a prayer that is constantly on our hearts and lips. Lord, we are so grateful to you. And Lord, as we go into this week, use us, we pray. Send us to the lost. Get, put people on our mind and heart to pray for and to speak to. Give us the words to speak. Give us boldness and courage to go out and be disciple-making disciples. Lord, your word says the righteous are bold as a lion. And Father, we want to we wanna go out and make a difference for you. And so, Lord, we commit ourselves again to you this week. Lord, use us, we pray. Be glorified in everything we do. Be glorified in our conversations. Help us to live for you in all that we do to glorify you. And again, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.